Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Astrology with Janet Hickox. It's time to grab your cup of coffee or your tea, sit back and relax, and let's just have a chat about what is going on in the sky above us for this week. Happy October, everybody. It's October 2nd. I can't even believe it's October, but here we are. I just now, but just before the show, turned my two calendars, my Pleiadian Earth calendar and my uh, regular Gregorian calendar. Uh, I was looking at it this morning going, oh, wait, I didn't turn the calendar. That's because yesterday was Sunday. I'm not at my desk much on Sundays, but yesterday I was, but I didn't need the calendar apparently. Uh, anyway, so I hope everybody is having a good day and had a great weekend. Uh, it is a cloudy Monday, which makes it me feel like I still want to be in bed asleep. Um, it was six o'clock came around and I was like, do I have to get up? Oh my gosh. So anyway, hopefully you all are feeling a little more alive. Uh, good morning to you, Julie. Good morning, Asa. It is good to see you. JLo, good to have you with us this morning. Glad you all can make it. Uh, today, our plan, this is actually kind of a quiet week. There's not a whole lot uh, for us to talk about in terms of new things happening. So I thought, uh, with the exception, of course, of Mercury changing signs, moving into Libra. So I thought it would just a good time for us to spend some time talking about decision making. And uh, that is typically seen best through human design astrology. So today we're going to take a look at, first of all, the moon sitting right now in Taurus, moving into a conjunction with Uranus. And what does that all mean? Because that's going to be, it makes the day interesting for sure. Um, but then as well, talking about Mercury into Libra. And here's where the decision-making thing comes up, because in Libra, Mercury, who's usually quite definitive about what is on his mind and what messages he has to bring and that type of thing, can get a little lost in Libran need for balance and harmony. And so at times, Mercury in Libra can really cloud decision-making. So I want to talk about that because if you're finding yourself at a loss as to how to make a decision, you, you are not stuck because you also have a human design type and strategy. It's particularly the strategy of the type that makes the uh, decision-making tool. But then you also have authority in your human design, which gives you uh, another sort of access to a decision-making tool. So if you get into that Libra and I don't know what to do, one minute I'm going this way, the next minute I'm going this way, then you have another tool or two on your tool belt to use to make good decisions. So I wanna, <clears throat> I wanna bring that out for everybody. So if you have your human design chart handy, that will be really good. If you don't have your human design chart handy, just try to keep in mind, what is my strategy and what is my, first of all, what is my type? What is my strategy? And then what is my authority, if you know that? All right. So good morning to Catherine Wooster. It's good to see you. And Nargis, good morning and happy Monday to you as well. Um, <clears throat> I seem to have a frog in my throat this morning, probably because I'm drinking coffee. So excuse me if, my, if I need to drink during our chat this morning. So let's talk about the moon first. The moon today in all day, <clears throat> pretty much until nighttime, 
uh, is in the sign of Taurus. She changes signs at 10.04 p.m. Pacific time, and that puts her in the void uh, today from 6.20 p.m. until 10.04 p.m. Those are West Coast times. If you happen to be on the East Coast, that means that it will be one in the morning when she changes signs. You'll not even hardly notice the difference except in your dreams. She'll be moving out of Taurus and into Gemini. But let's talk about the moon uh, in, in Taurus a bit because that's where she is going to hit the conjunction to Uranus and then she's already made the conjunction to the planet Jupiter. So we, we, you know, likely maybe in our dreams or maybe very early in the morning, for those of you who might be on the East Coast or even further uh, across the pond uh, in England or, you know, Europe, may have already had this idea of greater optimism, perhaps, that uh, you were tapping into while the moon was conjunct. Uh, to Jupiter. Um, when I checked this morning, she was already at 21 degrees of Taurus, so she was already beyond Jupiter, uh, which means that it was earlier, earlier, like when I was asleep kind of thing that she was actually hitting uh, the planet Jupiter. So remember, the moon brings you your connection to your emotions, to memory, to how you feel, and to your moods, all of that type of thing, your inner self, and when the moon connects with a planet, she adds sort of to her repertoire of uh, expression. With Jupiter, she adds a dose of optimism and of seeing something from the bigger picture. So what we see with uh, the moon conjunct Jupiter then might have been, you know, an upwelling of good feeling, uh, a feeling of positivism that might have come over you. Um, interesting because mostly that would have been in our dreams. And by the way, did any of you happen to get to see the night sky this weekend? Because you could very clearly see Jupiter next to the moon. And it was gorgeous. I um, I was out. I don't know why I went outside so early. It was like 630 on Saturday morning, maybe or Sunday morning. I'm not sure which. And uh, oh, I know why. Because when I opened my drape to let my cat out, I saw like this glow and I went, what, what's the glow? And I thought, oh yeah, it must be the moon. Uh, not as full anymore, but certainly still pretty beefy up there in the sky. And when I wandered out to take a look at the glow, I saw the planet Jupiter next to her. Such a beautiful sight to see, right? Uh, so Jupiter was already closing in on that conjunction or the moon was already closing in on the conjunction with Jupiter. So we could visualize it as well as experience, maybe the bump up in that feeling of optimism and so forth. But there's also the possibility with the moon and Jupiter that we go overboard. Sometimes we feel so good that we want to do 10 times as much as we can, or we want to keep eating and we want to keep, you know, gambling or we want to keep doing things sometimes that aren't necessarily good for us. So we have to watch out for a moon and Jupiter so that we stay in sort of moderation. We don't go too far too fast. Uh, we don't just go too far and fall off the cliff with that we stay proportional, in other words. Now, when the moon conjuncts Uranus, the next body that she will um, be in a conjunction with, conjunction just means they're sharing the same degree and space in the sky. So 
right now Uranus is sitting at 22 degrees 36 minutes of Taurus and the moon at the time I drew up the chart this morning was at 2122. So very close right now to conjunction. And this is a time where you might experience emotional upheavals, either to the to the positive or maybe sometimes, you know, not so positive. Um, it just sudden changes might come into your life. Your day suddenly changes, right? Your, your schedule does a flip-flop. Something goes wrong with that. Or something really good happens, a breakthrough uh, in your life. So um, the moon representing your emotions and your instincts, your subconscious mind even, while Uranus is representing things like innovation, rebellion, and freedom can come together either to create more stability and security because of the sign of Taurus or a clash, right? A clash going on between what your inspiration might be or what your fears might be even uh, and how do you bring those all together so that you have some form of stability and security in your life. So it can manifest in different ways, depending on how it looks in your own astrology chart. So you, wherever Taurus is in your astrology chart is where this is playing out. Uh, I have Taurus in my 11th house, so it's playing out in community or in networking, social media type area. Uh, if you have it, say, in your 10th house, it might be playing out in your career or in your profession. Maybe you have some kind of epiphany moment about what it is you want to do uh, as a career choice. Maybe it's playing out in the 6th house, which can sometimes represent the health of the body uh, or healthy habits and routines. And maybe you you get some kind of aha moment around what you should be eating or what you shouldn't be eating, those kinds of things. So wherever it is in your chart is where this likely can be happening. Now, there's also some other things to watch out for. And this is likely, even though the conjunction happens and may stay there for an hour or so, literally the whole of the day may be colored by this particular um, uh coming together of these two planets. So for one thing, you may feel really restless, impulsive, or unpredictable. Um, you may feel like you're seeking uh, or you feel the need to seek new experiences or to break free from old patterns. That's a big one with Uranus anyway. And with the moon, it adds the emotion of I'm really sick and tired and tired and sick of this. I am going to do what I need to do to let go of it, right? So we leap or we jump, or we're restless. So that's one thought. The other way, the other thing that can be happening is that you may have sudden insights or revelations about something that's going on. I think of these sometimes as flashes of genius, right? Where it's like, what? I could have been doing it this way all this time. It's really kind of funny because all of a sudden we may have that aha moment and we're like, wow, where was that a week ago when I was really struggling to make this decision? <laughs> but it may help you <laughs> suddenly solve a problem that you have been struggling through or discover new possibilities perhaps in living your life or being in relationships. Again, all depending on where this is happening in your chart. But you might also experience or encounter uh, those unexpected events, surprises that might not be as bad as you think. Um, sometimes they're really good surprises. Um, disruptions, 
disruptions to your daily pattern uh, or to the way that you usually work in your world or in your life. Um, things sometimes, because this is Taurus energy, it could be things that you feel like they challenge your safety or your security, especially financially or in your self-worth and how you feel um, about your value, that type of thing. Uh, you might also have emotional breakthroughs. Again, the moon, right? Moon, emotion, Uranus breakthroughs, emotional breakthroughs. And maybe you liberate yourself from fears. Remember the sun now moving through the spleen center of your human design and the potential for fears to be coming up to the surface is really high. And not only that, Mercury later this week begins to move through uh, those gates of fear, the south node also moving through gates of fear, and Mars, just not to be left out, also moving through these gates that can double as fear or paralysis points. So what's a great use of the moon conjunct Uranus? Liberate yourself from fear, right? Or any attachments you have to the way you think things should be happening, or any limitations that you have been using as ways to hold yourself back. Now, this is a great time to express your individuality, um, your genius, your particular genius, not my genius, not someone else's genius, but your own genius. We may feel more eccentric, more original, um, getting you know our own groove on, that type of thing. We may be um, attracting or repelling there's there's this attraction factor sometimes with the moon remember our emotions are about calibrating us to what is correct for us so sometimes that has an attractive force drawing the right experiences to us and sometimes it has a repelling force keeping uh informing us if you will of what isn't good for us or what isn't correct for us so we may have that uh, sort of feeling of things being attracted or being repelled away. And we can also experience change. The moon, of course, the fastest change agent in the sky, and Uranus, one that is also into change, right? Upgrading, if you will, up leveling um, ourselves through rebellion, revelation, revolution, right? That's his job. So that could be changes in our finances, in our earning power, in our value and worth, uh, but also in our foundation or our roots, the way that we feel safe and secure. So the, the net, net message here, go with the flow. <laughs> go with the flow because it's going to possibly be up and down and all around, bright ahas and oh, moments right so just be flexible be open-minded um trust your intuition and your inner guidance just take it easy on yourself during this time uh this there is a level of excitement with that can be present with this or sometimes that excitement can become you know a feeling of dread like oh no now i've got to do something with this so just be flexible, be adaptable, that type of thing. Uh, all right. Good morning to Christine and Debbie Tibbetts Tumiel. Uh, morning, busy freezing my social secure, security number. Stupid bank got hacked. Just crazy in this day and age. Oh, my goodness. Well, my daughter-in-law was hacked this weekend. We're all sitting at a football game. 
and all of a sudden my son Wesley says, don't take any messages from Tana. Her Facebook got hacked. And oh my gosh. So of course, being Hickoxes, we decided to um, have some fun with the hackers. And we got the hackers, the hacker, whoever, uh, to block us from hacking him. <laughs> it was pretty funny, actually. But annoying that somebody can put their talents and their gifts towards something like that. It just, it's so bad. Good morning, Peggy Doyle, and good morning, Mermaid Infinity Rainbow. Uh, I'm really uh, glad to have you all with us this morning. If you have any questions about anything that we're talking about, feel free to put that in the chat and I will be happy to answer those questions. So now we're going to move from the moon moving through Taurus to Mercury later this week on Wednesday, moving into the sign of Libra. And here's where the whole decision-making theme for uh, this uh, show, but also for the time period, comes about. So Mercury as the messenger planet, the planet that rules our mind, and also how the uh, local environment the, that we are in a part of, or that type of the neighbors, the people, your colleagues that you are with, maybe even siblings or you know, some family members, means that we are moving into a time where the three C's, co cooperation, collaboration, and co-creation, become extraordinarily possible. Libra is an air sign, and Mercury is a ruling planet of Gemini, an air sign. So we have this trine aspect that can be happening uh, between uh, Mercury, let's say, and uh, in Libra and the sign of Gemini. But Mercury is also the co-ruler of Virgo, and there we might have some issues, right? Here's where we can get caught up between the air energy of thinking and the more Virgoan energies of let's make a decision, right? Let's analyze, let's critically think, let's pick apart the details, right? So he, we have the, the problem uh, internally then with Mercury in Libra of especially if we have some big decision to make of how do we make that decision? How do we choose, right? How do we choose? But the transit itself brings a harmonious and diplomatic energy to the, the front, uh, to, especially to our interactions with others, to our relationships with people in our lives, as we balance or try to balance out fairness and uh, keep things in some sort of harmony. This is kind of negotiation energy so we can be very diplomatic when it is uh, a, when we have planets in Libra. We might find ourselves as well more interested in other Libran things like art and beauty, culture, socializing. It's a very big socializing sign, networking with others kind of sign. Mercury, of course, communication. We may find ourselves talking with more people, uh, interacting socially with uh, more people, being more into social media, right? The, the social media um, uh, scene. All of the social medias, too, not just uh, Facebook or Instagram, but, you know, all of them out there. But we should also be careful because Libra here is sort of an invite to weigh the pros and the cons of something. So 
let's say you have a decision to make about whether you're going to close down your business or you're going to take on a job or you're going to leave a relationship, those kinds of things. <clears throat> the tendency that we'll have during this period of time is to want to use our minds. And that can be the whole, let's do the pros, let's do the cons. And we make this list. And now we're still stuck. We're still vacillating. We're still waffling because the list is equal. Right. There's an equal list. It's in balance. It's you know, there's no one thing. There's no like 10 here and only five here that says, oh, well, this is a no brainer. You go this way or you go that way. Right. So it can make it very difficult for the next few weeks, at least through October 21st, while we really do have a stellium of planets that are in Libra that can really trigger uh, on one hand that vacillating indecisiveness right as we are weighing all the options and we can't come to any one consensus about what is the right decision but also while we're trying to make it fair and we're trying to keep it harmonized and we don't want to hurt people's feelings or we want to make other people happy and that can lead us into this stagnancy right the stagnancy or the over-reliance on the mind and in human design, you guys have heard me say this. I'm sure if you listen to other human design people, you've heard it from them. We don't make decisions from the mind. There is no, there's only awareness in the mind. There isn't any decision-making capacity there. So when we are relying on the mind because we have a lot of mind energy, and we do, right? We do right now, then it can create anxiety. It can create indecision. It can create that sort of mental feeling of going round and round and round and not being able to get to a answer, an answer or get to a solution, right? So we want to be very careful not to overthink or that, which then, you know, can cause a whole host of problems, right? We might be willing to uh, sort of step back and avoid confronting what it is that has us confused, right? We might just say, screw it, I'm not making a decision, which is still making a decision. Uh, or we could, you know, get to a point where we're resentful of the fact that we have to make a decision, uh, or resentful of the decision we make, because we feel somewhat pushed to make other people happy. So we have to have a tool. And you do, right, we have to have a tool that's going to make it easier for you to make a decision. And you absolutely do have tools. Now, before I get into those tools, which are going to be in your human design, let's look at the gates that Mercury is going to be moving through. So today and tomorrow, Mercury and Wednesday, Mercury is in the gate six. Now, gate six is also on the emotional center. And it is called the gate of impact. And that's because the emotional energy here can be quite ramped up. It is the intimacy kind of quotient. So it might be playing out in our relationships. It is a place that really wants peace, who will negotiate for peace, but will also strike out at the other party if peace isn't possible. So we're waffling between peace and not peace, right? That's the same in any of your human design gates, by the way. They hold the energy for both, right? There, It's there. It's your choice and every point in between. Then the um, 
the planet Mercury will move to the gate 46, which says come down into the physical body, being embodied. Remember, the sun was just there when he crossed into the uh, through the autumnal gateway or the spring gateway if you're below the equator. <clears throat> it's an energy that is activated by love, the love of being in the physical, being grounded, being practical. And then Mercury begins to move through the gates of the spleen center. So the 18, the 48, the 57, the 32, and then the 50, which are all the gates and the 44 too, all of the gates that are on the spleen center, which we ran down last Monday and how they apply to fear and paralysis. So you can kind of imagine Mercury here thinking every decision through and in every decision, we have the high side and then we have the fear side, right? We have the, I could do this, this, and this, and this could happen, but I'm also afraid I don't know enough to pull this one off. Or I'm going to fail spectacularly and everybody's going to see me fail. So we're, we're struggling between the two ends of the spectrum here, the success or the failure right? The adequacy or the inadequacy, uh, the instinct versus the logic. Remember, Mercury also is part of the mind. Logic is engaged. So it is an interesting time, to say the least, with Mercury moving into Libra along with the sun. So right now we already have Pallas Athena, the sun, Mars, and the south node in Libra. So we're adding one more planet on the fourth, uh, to Libra and not losing one out of there until Mars leaves uh, later in the month. And of course, when the sun leaves uh, later in the month. So for uh, the foreseeable future, we have quite a bit of Libran energy in our lives to contend with. And of course, then all of those spleen energies also potentially being triggered and causing us more angst around decision making, right? So let's talk about how it is that we make the best decisions in our lives. And it's going to be different for all of you, right? There is no cookie cutter answer to how to make a decision, but there is a specific for you personally about how you are designed or geared to make decisions. So let's break that down a little bit, shall we? There are two things that are of utmost importance in your human design uh, in, as it relates to making decisions. The first is type and strategy, and th those are kind of one. Type and strategy, there's just not one word for it. <laughs> I can't say type strategy, that's not really a word. Uh, type and strategy is number one most important thing when it comes to making decisions and that are right for you. And the second is authority. Now, authority is kind of just a sort of extra tool on your tool belt that helps you align yourself with the best way to make decisions. It's sort of, um, it, it's sort of the hammer and chisel, right? These two work together to really carve out the best way for you to move forward when you have to make decisions. Now, I'm mostly talking about big decisions in your life. And the little decisions you can also use these same tools with, but they're not as important. It's not as important whether I drink coffee or tea this morning as it is if I quit my job and or go to a new job, right? Those things are bigger 
they qualify you more for having to use your type and strategy as well as your authority. So type and strategy, you've heard me talk about a lot, right? You have the five types. We have the generators, manifesting generators, manifestors, projectors, and reflectors. So there's five energy types. Each one of you hopefully know what your type is. If you don't know what yours is, then you can go to my website at www.living-astrology.com and you can ask, you can create your own human design chart right there on my website. And that will tell you what is your type, what is your strategy, what is your authority. So you'll have all of that. In the meantime, as we look at the types, every type has a specific way its energy works best. So we're going to start with a manifester, for example. And if this is, you know, old news to you, just hold tight, right? We're going to kind of put this together in a way that maybe it will be new for you. If you're new and this is like totally blowing your mind, that's okay. Just hold space uh, and ask questions if uh, you don't know what we're talking about. So with a manifester, you are a pure energy being, a, a creative being, right? You're really the one that is the just do it sort of type. You really are here to create your own path forward, to initiate things, but not always to complete them, right? So you're an initiator, you're a creator type. Now, all of you can be creators. So don't think, you know, if you're not a manifester, you're not a creator. It's just, it's manifestors that really get the ball rolling, that push out, right, to start things. That is their type's energy. But their type also has a strategy because it's not always easy to be the creator, right, to be the initiator. Because as soon as you initiate things, you come into resistance, right? You come into resistance from uh, the world around you, from the people in your life, from situations, from structures and forms, all kinds of things begin to create havoc for the manifester as soon as they initiate. So if you think of the manifester as in, uh, playing the pool, game of pool, I mean, where, you know, the breaking ball, the white cue ball that, you know, when you're breaking open the game hits into resistance, right? As soon as it's, you could be, you know, free to roam around the pool table until you hit some balls and then they are going to slow the cue ball down. That is what happens with manifestors, right? They have this great idea. They have this creative energy. They kick it into gear and then boom, there's a block or boom. Somebody says, why are you doing that? Oh no, you can't do it that way. Oh no, 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 no. That's never going to work. Thus creating a very uh, angry, frustrated response from a manifestor, anger, right? Because they're being blocked. They, they sense that, that there's resistance to what they wanted to do. So how do they overcome resistance? This is where their authority can come in handy, but their, their strategy is the main thing and their strategy is to inform others before they take action. So often manifestors are getting ready to make a change in their lives and there are going to be people that will be impacted likely by that decision. So their best way, strategy, strategically, is to say to other people, hey, you know, starting next week, I'm going to be doing things in this way. I'm just letting you know ahead of time. You're not asking permission if you're a manifester. You're just stating and informing what it is that you're going to be doing. It is not your job to make other people happy. 
right? So when it comes to a time like this where Mercury and all these planets are in Libra and we sometimes sense that we need to make, we feel like we need to make others happy, that is not the case. Not the case for you manifestors, right? By the way, manifestors make up only 8% of the population. So they're a rarity. We don't, I don't see many of them in my practice, but they're there. And they're the ones that are pushing ahead with things and sometimes doing it in a way that, you know, can drive generators and, and manifesting generators a little crazy, um, <laughs> projectors and reflectors too, <laughs> but they're here to do that. Now, when we get to the next one, the projectors, projectors are here to lead, guide, manage the energies of, say, the uh, generators and the manifesting generators. There's no way they're ever going to lead, guide, and manage manifestors, really. Um, that would be sort of like oil and water. But the energy that a projector has is really about taking on a leadership role. And they take on a leadership role when invited. That's their strategy. And life will invite them. And people will invite them. They're not having to, um, you know, make everybody in their lives one of their projects, but they'll try. The people or the situations that are of utmost importance to the projectors in making a decision is whether they were invited in. And an invitation can be literal, like, hey, I invite you to, to join me here and let's teach a class. Or it can be more subtle where... Um, this person keeps popping up in your field, uh, like you see them all the time and you're like, hmm, I wonder if this is life inviting me in to have a conversation with this person, right? That's an invitation. So the invitation, waiting for the invitation is the strategy for a projector to make the correct decision for themselves. That is the, the first number one thing and trusting that you will always have an invitation and in the meantime, while you're waiting for the next invitation, have some fun. Go out and play. Do what you love, right? That is the projector way. When we get to the generator types, both generators and manifesting generators have a strategy of waiting to be invited. Now, I'm going to start with just the generator, and then I'm going to talk about the manifesting generator, because there are a couple of differences in the strategy there. With a generator, a pure generator, that means that you are here to make decisions through response. And what does that mean? Well, that means that you're waiting for the outside world to show you something that matches maybe an idea or an inspiration, something that's been going on internally with you. But you wait to make that take that action until you have something outside of you. And I like to use this as an example. If you decided today that, you know, I really want to write a book. Now, that might be a big departure from what it is that you do normally, right? Maybe you've never thought about that before, but suddenly you have this idea. I want to write a book. And the, the, the vast amount of energy that is available to you as a generator might have you just jumping out and doing that and starting to do that. But there wasn't anything in the outer world yet to make you go, oh, now that's the right thing for me. But what if a little later in the day, you get an email in your inbox and it says, have you ever thought of writing a book? That email's in your outer world 
and it matches something that you were thinking about from inside of you, now it might be absolutely the right decision to start writing a book, okay? This is just the beginning, by the way. We still have authority to talk about. We haven't done that yet. So all of these types that we've talked about so far must also weigh in with their authority, but we'll get there in a minute. So as a generator, then you're not acting from thought. You're not acting from instinct, in, you know, internal anything. You're waiting for something outside of you. But your idea, your inspirations, they may be showing you what's possibly going to be showing up in your outer world, right? It might be just about waiting for the right timing. And that's why you don't act from the thought. You wait until it's in your outer world. Now, manifesting generators, very similar here. They have the need to wait for something in their outer world, but they're sort of multitasking individuals and they move fast. So for them, they can make five decisions in a day and four of them end up being wrong. We still have one that turned out okay. Um, so how does a manifesting generator then really handle this energy of multi multiple uh, jobs, multiple ideas all coming in at the same time. The first thing they do is they have to wait to respond to something that shows up in their outer world. Big deal, right? Because for them, it can be so easy to jump from idea to action and then it blows up on them, right? Or then they've wasted a lot of energy because they can be very busy, 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 busy doing lots of nothing if they are acting on the wrong things. You want to act on the right things and the right things are first in your outer world and they match something that's been going on inside. Now, for manifesting generators, they also have to manage patience because they're not patient, right? They're used to being able to just do and go and make decisions like this, right? But to make the best decisions on the big things in their lives, they really need to wait and it, while they're waiting for something in the outer world, they can really be going through a process where they're uh, of processing uh, what that idea or inspiration is. They might be looking at, well, what does it look like? What does it sound like? Who am I doing this with? Where am I doing this? What's my outcome that I want? Blah, 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 on and on, right? They can be putting their energy into this processing of the idea while they're waiting for it to show up. But they also have to learn to inform those that will be impacted by their decisions. They are, after all, the hybrid of the manifester and the generator, i.e. manifesting generator. So it's very important for them to learn the skill of informing those that will be impacted by their decisions before they make them, just like the manifester. And then to respond appropriately when the uh, action shows up in the outer world. Who have I left out here? Reflectors. Reflectors are our rarest type and their strategy is to wait for 28 days before they make big decisions. And that can be so difficult for them, right? Who wants to really wait 28 days to make a decision, right? Raise your hand if that's what you wanna do. <laughs> because I'm pretty sure that's not what we like to do. And in fact, the rarest type is less than 1% of the population out there. So there's few of them, but they must wait for those big decisions. And while they're waiting, they need to be able to talk to those people that they love and trust or who love and trust them so that they can get an idea of what is correct for them, 
because they see their truth via reflection, right? That's why they're reflectors. So they might come to you and ask you questions about, um, you know, or, or tell you, this is what I'm thinking of doing. And really, they're kind of using people as sounding boards, uh, as advisors, as um, the way to be able to see their own reflection at, in the responses that people give back to them. So their friends or family members or their, you know, trusted advisors may say to them, you know, have you thought about what this is going to do to your family? Right. Something that the reflector has also been thinking about, but needs to see reflected back to them from the people around them. And so that process is because these are lunar beings, they need to take the full cycle of the, the moon, the whole lunar cycle in order to make the best decisions. <sighs> now, questions. How's everybody doing out there? Leslie says, Ugh, open spleen with seven hanging gates activated here. Not a big fan of splenic energy. Uh, maybe I can help you reframe that before the day is over here or before the morning is over. I don't see any questions. So hopefully everybody's understanding all of this. Now let's go to what your secondary decision-making tool is. So in this age of Libran energy that we're in right now, the tool that you must start with is your type and strategy, right? That's the first. The second is called your authority. And I usually think of this as the go-to decision-making tool. So once I know there's something in my outer world as a generator, I'm a generator type. So I have this idea. I see it being reflected to me out in the outer world or I'm seeing it. It's giving me something to respond to. Now I need to go to my inner authority because the inner authority helps me align with what is correct for us. So the primary way of making decisions is through type and strategy. And we just went through all the different types and their strategies. But according to human design, authority is the body intelligence that you have inborn in inside of you comes with the package of being human that guides us in making decisions and it requires a completely different sort of awareness on your behalf than the mind because it's not logical there's not logic in authority there's not logic in decision making right there we can think logically right we can be aware that the logical thing to do is fill in the blank but decisions are not coming from logic did you hear that should i say that again it comes from the body and the mind your mind may not always agree with the decision you're making let's say from your emotional center or from your spleen center or from your sacral center, right? The mind is sometimes going to kick and scream at you. So you need to learn, we all need to learn to trust our body's inherent wisdom. And that's what authority is all about. And authority is determined by what centers are defined in your human design chart. So a defined center, by the way, is one that's colored in. And it's going to be one that falls below the neck or below the throat center. It's in the body. It has nothing to do with the head and the ajna. <clears throat> okay. 
And there are several types of authority. Um, I think there's like seven, maybe. There is sacral or generated authority. There's emotional authority. There's splenic authority. There's ego or uh, willpower. There's self-projected. And there is mental projected authority. And manifestors, generators, all the types have specific types of authority that they can have. For example, a reflector has no centers defined or colored in there unless it's by transit. So when you look at a reflector's chart, it's a white chart, uh, white centers with different colors maybe coming off of the centers, but there are no centers colored in. So ergo, they have no authority. So if you are a reflector, you have no go-to tool, right? There's nothing else that you need except that waiting for 28 days to make those big decisions and having people around you that you love and trust that can help you see the truth of your decisions, right? Or of what it is that you are uh, working on in yourself. Now, the other types um, all do have some, have the potential for some kind, have authority, right? There's an authority. So, Let's start with the sacral authority. So if the sacral center is defined, that's the red square. Let's see if I can go to my body graph here. Um, body graph. You know, there's something to be said about not clearing your cash and cookies because Sometimes then it makes it hard to go back to sites you've been at. I don't want to go there. I want to come here. So let's um, share my screen. And this one. All right. So in a moment here, you should all be seeing the uh, human design chart here. And if you have sacral authority, this is the sacral. You will not have... Uh, well, you might have the spleen defined. You do not have the emotional center defined. Anytime the emotional center is defined, it by default becomes the authority. So if you have sacral authority, you do not have emotional authority, okay? Sacral authority is where the body has a defined way of behaving or sounding or moving in response to questions that end in yes or no. So it is a yes or no response that you feel in the moment from the sacral center. So quite frequently, uh, a sacral authority person is going to be going, mm -hmm, you know, in response or mm -mm, in response or, you know, moving away or moving towards something as their body is responding to what is yes or what is no. So if you are a generator, and, and it's only generators or manifesting generators that can have this kind of authority because the other three types, reflectors, projectors, and manifestors do not have a defined sacral center. If they did, they would be either a manifesting generator or a generator, okay? So only you generators, manifesting generators can have sacral authority, and it's the body in response to a question that is correct for you. 
So for example, if you are, if, if I ask easy questions of you and you have this authority, you're going to know exactly. If I say, do you like broccoli? Your body in the moment's going to go, uh-huh, or uh, no, can't stand it, right? It, there's that response. And it's easy to trust that response, of course, when they're easy questions, things that we already know to be true. I, do you like the color black or do you like the color blue? Well, you don't really want to do that. Do you like black? Uh-huh, right? Or do you like blue? Uh-uh. So your body is already responding to those things that are fairly simple. But what if it comes down to taking on a new job, right? Is, is this the right job for me? And your body in the moment, if you have sacral authority, is going to answer, uh-huh, or uh-uh. Or it's going to pull towards it, or it's going to push away from it. Or it's going to make other sounds that make you go, oof, this isn't good, right? Or, oh, this is wonderful. So you have to learn to trust the sacral, the body, in the moment. This is spontaneous decision-making through the wisdom of the body, through the sacral center. All right. So if you're making a big decision about taking on a new job or moving cross country or even a little decision, do I want to, uh, you know, take a trip this week or next week, your body is going to be able to help you make that answer the right answer for you. You just have to learn to trust that authority. All right. I got to check back and see if there were any questions around this. Uh, no. Okay. Cool. So if I go back here, I'm going to now take this away. And now we're going to talk about splenic authority. Now, this could also be called gut instinct uh, or intuition. It means that you are here to make decisions in the moment based on intuition. And again, you can have splenic authority if you are a projector, if you are a manifester if you are a generator or if you are a manifesting generator, but you will not have the emotional center defined. You cannot have the emotional center or center defined and have splenic authority because the moment that the emotional center becomes defined, it becomes the authority, all right? So splenic authority is the intuitive yes or no perhaps, or the intuitive voice that you hear in response to the decision that's at hand. So ignoring the information from your intuition can have serious effects. It can put you in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people. And it's also complicated because intuitive authority comes on strong in the moment and then disappears. It doesn't come back. It does not keep bugging you. Remember, I said to say yes. Or remember, I said no, don't do that. It doesn't. It comes on strong in the moment and then fades to the background. So either you listen or you don't, right? And then you have the outcome from that decision, either positively impacted because you listened or not so positively impacted because you didn't listen, right? So you can make, you can find yourself making the wrong decisions here, especially if you are someone that also has the head and Ajna defined, because not listening to your intuition can cause you to move up to the head center and to try to manage all of the thoughts around what your intuition was saying. Like, for example, your intuition says, yes, go that direction, but your mind goes, yeah, well, that, that, uh, 
uh, exit ramp is backed up. I'm going to, it's going to make me lose time or blah, blah, blah. But not to listen then puts you in the path of something else that maybe is not such a good decision for you, right? So listen in the moment or you might find yourself making the wrong decision or up in the head and now confused, angry, upset, frustrated um, because you've ended up where you didn't want to be. And the whole thing is because you didn't listen to your gut in the first place. All right. Now let's go over to emotional authority. Now the emotional center, when it's defined, no matter if all of these other centers are defined or not, it becomes the authority, right? And it is emotions that tell you what is correct for you or not. But emotional energy as it sits at the moment in our human design is both an awareness center, but also a motor. And as a motor, it has energy that isn't so quick to make itself known. It has the energy of flow. So it can flow through the high, it can flow through the low, and all points in between. So with an emotional center defined as your authority, you are not spontaneous in your decision making. You are here to make decisions with clarity over time. If you are emotionally defined, time is an ally, right? It is time. So yet, especially the generator types and the um, uh, emotional uh, manifesting generators, they're very busy and they want to make decisions quickly. And unfortunately, and they'll feel pressured, by the way, at times to make these decisions quickly. You are not designed to make decisions quickly. You are here to wait for that clarity, that emotional alignment. Now, while you're waiting for that, you can ask yourself questions, especially if you're a manifesting generator or a uh, or a uh, generator. You can ask yourself yes or no questions. That could be very helpful. Do I want to be doing this? Is this right for me? Is this the is this my truth? Does this make me happy? Does is this exciting? Um, those answers, yes or no, in the form of sometimes an uh-huh or an uh-uh, can help give you some clarity. But even in the moment asking those questions, you have to wait through the emotional wave. And there are three types of emotional waves. And the only way to really know which one is yours is to have your chart done uh, or a reading or to really study it on your own. Now, also, projectors can have emotional authority as manifestors can also have emotional authority. Reflectors cannot have emotional authority because they don't have any defined centers. So often emotionally defined people will make decisions like or make snap decisions. I think we call them those quick decisions. And then the mood changes. The emotional energy changes and they find themselves now committed to something that they really don't want anymore. And now they have to either backpedal their way out of it. They have to, uh, or worse yet, they may stick with something and be only half-heartedly engaged throughout time with it. 
and neither of that works for you, right? It can really cause a bad use of your energies, right? Putting your energies towards something that you really don't want. So waiting until you have emotional clarity can save you from a lot of frustration and help you preserve your relationships, uh, especially you know, your closest relationships or your working relationships so that you aren't constantly leaping into things and then out of things where people think that now you're a flake uh, or not reliable, that type of thing. You're not meant to be spontaneous. If you have the emotional center defined, you are meant to get clarity over time. But you can also keep checking in with yourself to say, okay, how does this feel? If over time, that feeling of this is exciting, and this is what I want, and this feels true for me, then you can finally make that decision, right? And I usually say 24 to 48 hours, really, you don't have to wait forever. Uh, but let's say that you don't have clarity over time. Let's say that after 24 to 48 hours, you're still not clear. Maybe half the time it was a yes, the other half the time it was a no. Well, the answer is not yet, not the right time, right? And you have to learn to trust if you have emotional authority that if it is correct for you, it will never be withheld for you, from you. It's just not the right timing. Maybe the right people aren't engaged yet. Maybe it's not the right opportunity. And if you settle for saying a yes, when there's this equivocation in the answer, that means you might not be available for when the right thing comes and you're like, oh, if I'd only waited five more minutes, right? <laughs> or if I'd only waited for another day. All right. So preserve your sanity, preserve your relationships with the people around you, wait for clarity, right, in your emotional energy. Now, ego authority. So this center, is the center, we call it the heart center. Sometimes you'll see it called the ego or the will center. And only manifestors can have ego authority, which means um, that their authority comes from the will or from the heart center. And it comes because they have, in, in a manifestor, they have a connection to the throat. And it can go a, a couple of different ways. It can come this way, uh, meet up here, and then come this way and meet up here. Um, but one way or another, this energy is making it to the throat center, and that would make this person a manifester if they did not have, if they had the sacral defined uh, as a manifesting generator or generator, it would give them sacral authority, right? So the will center here can only be the authority for a manifester, and these people do not need to wait for anything before making decisions. They the only thing that they have to do is to make sure that their energy is up to the task, that they're not tired, that they're not worn down, that they're not um, in some illness and, you know, forcing themselves to make the decision to do. As long as they have their energy center, uh, their energy's feeling good to them and they have an opportunity, the energy for the will is there for them to use. But they have to remember the will center pulses on and off, on and off. So if they push through the off part of the cycle, they're burning themselves out. If they push through when the on cycle is on, then they are aligned with the creative energy they need for as long as they need it. And then they go back to resting before they go into the next thing, right? All right. 
Now, there's another kind of authority, and this one's kind of rare. Let me get all these things off of here. There. <laughs> no, 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 no. All right. No. White. Nothing like uh, having an issue here. You just have to slow down and make sure you hit the right space. Okay, the next kind of authority is called self-projected authority. And that happens when you have the sacral center defined. Only projectors can have self-projected authority. I have a son with self-projected authority. He has these four centers defined. And the only one that can really give him decision-making authority is the self, right? Is that center there. In self-projected authority, it occurs when the G center or the identity center meets up to the throat and goes up this direction. And um, it is making decisions through discussing things with friends or family or your, um, you know, people that are close to you. And the people around you's responses show you whether or not something is correct for you. And what I also find funny with people in this kind of authority is that quite frequently you're having a conversation with them and they are getting their, they're getting their decision based on how, what they're hearing themselves say about it. So I remember a conversation with my son back several years ago when uh, he was contemplating uh, whether to change jobs and the change in the job was also gonna take him away from home. Um, and he was asking me about it. We're sitting at the dining room table and he is processing this out loud with me. And really, did I say a whole lot? No, I just said, I think it might be a good idea. It's a great opportunity. So all they're really looking for is the reflection back from the other person as to what their own thinking process is, self-projected. So if he had doubts about it, if it was something he really didn't want to do, then the reflection he would have gone back, gotten back from me or from friends would be, no, don't do that. That's dumb, right? Or not a good idea and truly could only have been a reflection of his own self. Now, sometimes we have... Um, mental projected authority. And that again, can only be uh, projectors. That would be a projector that looks like this, right? They might only have um, the uh, Ajna and the head center defined. This type of authority is uh, means that they are meant to discuss their invitations with people around them to get clarity on whether something is correct for them or not. This is sort of like mental processing, but with other people, but they still don't make decisions necessarily from the mind. It is literally the reflection that they're getting back from other people that makes that decision. And this is rare. I do have a couple of clients like this though. And they often make very good decisions because they are usually out there talking to a wide variety of people around them in order to get to that good decision. All right. So I know that was a lot of information this morning. Uh, how does someone with emotional authority express spontaneity? They don't. In decision making, they do not. 
express spontaneous decision making. Now they can spontaneous spontaneously make you know decisions that don't don't have much you know big bearing on their lives. Like if a friend calls you up and says, "Hey, you want to have lunch today?" You can spontaneously say yes. You don't have to wait you know for that. But if you were to be offered a job today, a new job, right? You would have to wait because that has much more bang for your buck in your life, impact in your life. So big decisions or little decisions you can be spontaneous with, life decisions, getting into or out of a relationship, into or out of a job, moving, you know, relocating, spending a big chunk of money. Those things all require that um, uh, clarity over time. They are not decisions you make spontaneously, okay? But if I'm looking at, do I want chocolate or do I want vanilla? Spontaneous. Yeah, I'm in a chocolate mood, all right? I hope that helps. Uh, Christine, LOL, both head and Ajna defined. I confirm this 100%. <laughs> I love it. All right, you all, uh, that is it for me today. I hope you learned something. If you have questions, you know where to find me. I will also see you on Wednesday, late afternoon, West Coast time, 4 p.m. West Coast time, 7 p.m. East Coast time, as I will be with Annette McCoy on Angel Heart Radio. I will make sure everybody gets that information. So see you on, and Wednesday, by the way, we're going to take up the topic of the uh, upcoming eclipses. We're going to kind of look deeper into that and talk about how that impacts everybody. Wednesday, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. East Coast time. See you then. Bye for now. Do you wish you could better understand yourself and what is going on in the world? Well, grab your cup of coffee or tea and join the podcast Living Astrology with Janet Hickox for Astrology, Human Design, and Gene Keys Wisdom. Mondays and Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Podcasts are available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and your other favorite outlets.